Hey all, and welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm with Anthony. Hey, what's going on? And today we're going to be going over some of the news, including new Goosebumps show, Hercules, AMC versus Regal, or versus uh, Universal, different things like that. And then we're going to wrap things up with esports desk and our top five fantasy movies. Uh, how, have you, how have you been so far, Anthony? Hey, good. You know, uh, honestly, locked in the house, right? Right. Yeah. So we're working from home and. Uh, Kind of just hanging out, getting a little stir crazy here and there, but uh, not yeah. too bad. How about you? Uh, same, just kind of ready to to just go places and do random things. And but we're getting there. We're getting there. It's it feels like we're kind of over the worst of it. So that's that is good news, and we're getting there. Um, that brings up a good point. We're going to continue to do remote calls for the rest of May as well. Uh, the reason for this is you know uh, Squeaks has a new daughter, and of course you had a new son. And Daniel takes care of his grandma, so everybody's kind of got higher priorities. Uh, so I think it's safe that we all stick around in the houses for uh, one more month before we get into the same studio. So we appreciate you guys hanging out with us while we do this. Uh, I also want to mention we do have merch. Kevin, a friend of ours, was surprised to see that we had merch. And we do have the merch. It's on the Redbubble, but we don't make like money off of it. It's just available if anybody wants it. But um, follow our links. I think there's a link on the podcast itself for our Redbubble store. So you guys could check that out. Uh, okay, so what have you been watching lately? So uh, I'm a little behind in my days. So yeah. uh, honestly, it's uh, I just started Ozark. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I'm on the season finale of the first season. Mm-hmm. And uh, it to me, it's a, a updated version of Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's good so far. But other than that, I'm nothing, nothing too much. What about you? Uh, I'm watching Plot Against America. It's an HBO series about World War II, and I don't want to spoil anything. At first, I was telling Squeaks, like, oh, I think this is just, like, a normal story, and then there is, like, this, like, twist that happens that changes everything, and it's, it's very, very, very good. Uh, but, yeah, try to get through all my HBOs before I cancel the uh, the service after uh, right. Watchmen, or not Watchmen, Westworld. All right, let's go ahead and dig into some news. We have a new Goosebumps series in the works. This is from Sony Pictures and Scholastic Entertainment. They're teaming up for a live-action Goosebumps series. This is going to be produced by Neil Moritz, who is the one who was the executive producer for the movie, the newer movie that just came out, the two of them. Uh, this will be the first in a multi-year deal with Puva, uh, Pavun Shetty. He's producing it as well. Shetty's also been known for The Boys from uh, uh, what's that? Amazon Prime, uh, New Girl, and Happy. These will be based off the 90s horror children's books from R.L. Stein. So, uh, you know, we've, we've probably all collected these in the past. What was your favorite Goosebumps book growing up? So, uh, man, to be honest, I look up right now and I still have them. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, they're, they're in a box. Uh, they're yeah. still there. Um, but uh, growing up, I, w- I was the kind of kid. You picked up a book because it was cool, right? It looks mm-hmm. cool. Great. Get into chapter one and you put it off to the side and say, okay, time to play video games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the ones I do remember um, was the the dummy one, the live dummy. Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah. That's the one I do remember. And I, I can see the covers all in my head, but I... Can I tell you about them? I don't think I've got past the first chapter on any of them. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Uh, there was the Haunted Masks, the one and two for the Haunted Masks. I really liked those. And then there was one, I, I couldn't find it anymore, but it was where they were playing tag. It was like these monsters, like a Yetis or whatever in a forest. They were all playing tag together. I cannot find it anymore. I thought I had them still, but I, I looked for them. I couldn't find them. But the Haunted Masks still are classic. Them? I thought I did, but I can't find them. They oh, must man. be somewhere. Maybe Jonathan has them or something like that. What do you think of the live action, or what do you think of the films that they did from the books? I didn't. I didn't watch the newer films. I watched when they did those made for TV movies back in the day. Did you ever see those? No, not too much. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, anything that gets people back into the into these old stories is really good. You know, R.L. Stein put a lot of effort into them, so I'm happy to see that. Uh, I hope they just like I hope each episode basically takes a book and retells it. I think that's the best way to do this. You already have all these stories that everybody likes. I'd actually go back and watch some of the ones I remember. You know, I think that's the best way to go. What are you wanting out of this series? I think it's kind of hard because are you are you going to bring back all the old people that used to read the books, or is it just a target audience, the kids nowadays? Uh, right. For me, I would like to see a, a a story that kind of goes on like your like your Netflix shows, not just a, a movie or, or something that can you continue watching. Um, but can they get the right customers? And is it that popular still? To me, when I first heard it, I'm like goosebumps. Who watches that? But, yeah. Or even reads that now, but obviously it's still going. We're at the we're at the age now where everybody who used to read the books have kids, so they might be doing that. Like, oh, why don't you why don't you bring your kids out to watch the thing that you used to read? You know what I'm saying? So I think that might be why they're going for it right now. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. Next up, speaking of remakes from our childhood, Hercules is getting a live action uh, series or movie. The movie will follow the '97 uh, young, uh, Hercules movie that'll follow young Hercules realizing that he is Hercules. And he has abilities and uh, becoming a hero. Uh, the Avengers Endgame directors, Joel and uh, Anthony Russo, so the Russo brothers, will be producing this film. That's a really good sign. Uh, Dave Callahan is being t- uh, the screenwriter. Callahan is currently working on Wonder Woman 1984. He did Zombieland, Double Tap, and The Expendables. So that movie, that list right there from the writer kind of goes from bad, or great to bad. Uh, not really sure. I'm kind of worried about that one with the Expendables movies. What are your thoughts on a, a new Hercules movie? So I know there's been kind of a mixed emotions when it comes to these live action movies, remakes from Disney. Yeah. Um, some people say Lion King was terrible. Some people say it was great. Um, I'm excited for it. I think it's just always nice to see Disney again and, and a remake of it. Right. Um, some better than others. Yeah, I, I I was really looking forward to the Mulan one. I look, I can't wait for us to be able to get our eyes on that. But there were like Jungle Book was really good. Um, but there were some that were a little too close to the actual story. Like Lion King was just basically retelling so close right. that I didn't care for it. Um, yeah. Any casting ideas for this? Cause this looks like it's got such a wide variety of cast. You can really kind of hit every quadrant you can, you know, what do you, what do you got? Right. So I'm terrible at actors. <laughs> so I went to, first thing I thought of was, well, let me look it up and see who would be good for this part. So when I went to, um, IMDB and they had characters or, or, Actors they thought that would fit best for it. Yeah. And I was just like, well, you know what? They they are right. Um, <laughs> Danny DeVito. Well, he played the original Phil. He should be Phil again. Yeah. It would be awesome if he played well, Phil he again. Be, right. So they had what? Uh, Anna Kendrick, the one from Pitch Perfect? Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be good. They had um, Ethan. Uh, let me see here. Slater. Okay. And who else they have? Um, they had Benedict Cumberbatch. Who would you want him to play? What's that? Who would you want him to play? Man. I would think Hades for him. Know. Right, yeah. I'm thinking. And then uh, Ian Mc, uh, McKellen. Oh, he'd be cool. From Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The, the, those are some... Just looking play at the list right now. Zeus, they baby. Him for Zeus. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to me, I'm hearing a lot of people wanting like Tom Holland as, as uh, a young Hercules. I just can't see that, you know. I don't know. What do you think about Tom Holland? He's too scrawny to me to be Hercules at all. Yeah, hey, we could, you could always fix that, right? <laughs> well, that's true. We right. could like buff him up and post, but but as his acting um, taken away from what he currently does, do you think he can fit the role? Um, 
I think I think you can do it. Yeah, as long as they were to specifically have him play young Herc, that would help. But it's it's just seems so weird to me. Um, I think the only one for sure has got to be Danny DeVito. If they bring back Danny DeVito to play Phil, I'll be happy. Zeus, you know, we have so many good ideas. Um, gosh, I don't know. The Tom Hiddleston as her as Hades would be really fun too. Uh, Loki playing Hades, that'd be a, right. that'd be a blast. And then you could you could play you could have Loki playing Hades, and then his brother be Thor. That'd be really cool. Oh, that'd be. I'm excited to see the first trailer come out of this. Yeah, yeah, we're early on, but uh, this is this has sparked the most excitement for casting that I've seen in a live action Disney movie in a long time. So that's a good sign. Uh, the hype is behind it, you know. All right, moving on to the next one. We have kind of a big one here. AMC. So Universal made this announcement saying that basically from go, going from here on out, when they release the movie, they're going to release it both on uh, home release and the- theatrical release on the same day. Uh, this was because Trolls Worldwide, they released early due to the COVID thing at home, and it was huge. So they made, I have the numbers here. It was rented 5 million times and grossed $100 million in three weeks. And the original Trolls movie had the same amount of money over five months. And uh, and even more important is that the, the split between the two, in the theaters, you they get a 80-20, uh, I'm sorry, they get a 50-50 split. And then at the home release, they get an 80-20 split. So they get way more money out of out of doing it at home. Do do you prefer watching movies at home or in theaters? Like if it's a brand new release. So, uh, obviously in this situation, absolutely staying home. Right, um, right. But normally, I like going to the theaters. I like getting there. I like getting the popcorn. I like having the seats, putting the yeah. recliner back, and just being in a different environment. Yeah. But I think it depends. Um, sometimes I really like just enjoy being at home on a Friday night, and not going to the theaters. So, it kind of depends. Depend to me, it depends on the movie. I like seeing movies when they first come out, but I'm not a big fan of going to the movie theaters when movies first come out. Right, right. Uh, so I, I don't like the initial traffic, the initial rush. Yeah. Um, so I try to stay away from the movie theaters when big movies come out and just kind of hit them down the road a week or two later when some of the traffic dies down. What about you? Well, see, I actually like that rush. I like that midnight premiere, that early rush when it's nice and packed in there and everybody's hyped. I love the way that environment feels when you have actual cheering for a moment or clapping or crying. The whole theater is involved. I really like that. Something you can't capture at home. Um, and then, so in Texas, do they have the reclining chairs in the theaters or no? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So we got the, this. it's called Casablanca. Okay. And um, it's great. It's got the recliner chairs. It's got two or three movie theaters or two or three theaters that have service. You just press the button to come to you right, and get right. your food. Uh, in there, there's a couple of them actually here in San Antonio, but they got bars in it. They got a bowling alleys in them. They got yeah, just a bunch of different kind of more than just a movie theater. Right, um, nice place. Uh, so and and it just opened up. So yeah, here's to see how it's it the goes. Hot item. Already, yeah, they've already talked about how they're reducing the amount of show times they have, so they're giving more time in between to clean. Uh, personally, I'm going to stay away from it for a little bit. I think that's a safe and, bet. Uh, yeah, wait and see how everything plays out. Yeah. We have those as well with the recliners and whatnot, and, but I've talked to other people across the country that don't have, they were really surprised to see that there's recliners in a the theater. So that's something we have, you know, some of the areas and it even makes the events uh, more special, more comfortable and stuff like that. So there, there's some merit there to having it in the theaters compared to at home. Uh, well, AMC, which is the biggest owner of theaters worldwide, they fired back right away. 
so normally a theater has the rights to the movie for three months. That's kind of the deal. There's nothing like in stone in contract. This is just thing that's been going on for over a hundred years. And, uh, and so AMC wrote a letter saying to universal studios, basically, you know, they, they started off respectful. It was from the CEO, Adam Aaron, uh, to, uh, Donnie Langley, who's one of the chairmen over at universal explaining like, look, we've been in this partnership for a long time. We should be friends. We should work together. He uh, iterates that your guys's cooperation with us is the only reason we can exist, which is an important fact to remember. Uh, but he did say that going forward, he bans all Universal movies from any of their theaters, which is such a huge step. What do you feel? Do you think this is the correct response out of AMC? Did they go too far or should they try to sit and negotiate with them a little bit more? What are your thoughts on this? So it's kind of a tough topic because we don't it know is. anything beforehand. Uh, so I think... It depends. As a partner, absolutely. To me, I'm like, if you're my partner, if you're going to put it out and not tell us or or, or how they kind of advertise how they're going to do that with trolls, I think that plays a factor on how they're going to do it because I expect the partner to kind of work together. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, during the situation, I understand AMC is kind of going in the bucket here and, and is you know may go out of business yeah. with a certain this virus going on. Universal can't sit back and just say, uh, well... I'm going to lose money because you're you're losing money. So right, looking at yeah. both sides, it's it's kind of hard to say who's right, who's wrong. Um, it's I think I did think AMC went too far by banning their movies, especially like you just said, it's one of their biggest incomes. Yeah, and AMC did mention in the uh, in the letter saying like we understand with with trolls that that was because of the pandemic, and totally agree with that being your jazz's choice. But the idea that Universal is going to go through this for the future, I, to me, it's a really tough spot. And especially since we've been pushing this whole time, everybody go to your guys' comic book shops to try to support the business. Because it's kind of a similar situation where the current times doesn't quite match with the theater environment 100%. We all have beautiful screens at home. Uh, you, could, you could stream everything the second they want you to stream it. And it's just too easy. Uh, it's, it's a tough one. It's really hard because... I kind of feel like theaters are just phasing out. That's just how it is. I mean, you know, we don't we don't need them as much anymore. Typewriter businesses are suffering right now as well. You know, it's just something you don't need anymore. Right. Um, and so it's one of those things where if you guys, if the theaters can innovate, like they like for example, how we have recliners now, that meant that there was going to be less seats in the theaters, but it's more comfortable to go to the theaters, and it becomes more of an event. So it becomes more worthwhile going. Uh, if you guys can't keep up, then why would we bother going? I, it's a tough one. I, I, right away when I first heard about this, was first researching this, I was against AMC 100% because, like, it's not your guys' product. Universal's making a product. They should have to del- they should deliver it any way they want to. That's their prerogative. And the fact that in your guys' letter you're saying our business can't exist without your business is showing that there's a, there's a flaw in your guys' business. If you guys can't create a reason for them to want to make that split, then that split shouldn't exist. So it's kind of a tough one. Universal came back at them and saying, like, look, we're still going to be releasing it both in theaters and home uh, audiences at the same time. We're not abandoning the theater system. We're just going to do it both ways. But that's almost unfair because it's one of those things where, yeah, you guys are releasing it both ways, but but you're obviously giving an advantage to one way or the other. Because for families, right. a movie for, like, Trolls, for example, Trolls is a family movie. You're going for your kids. It's 20 bucks to rent it for everybody to see. Or it might cost 40, 50, 60 bucks, depending on how many kids you have, to watch it in theaters. 
So it's almost an unfair advantage to just watch it at home. It's a lot easier to have your kids at home than it is to try to get them all in the car, drag them to the theaters, you know, spend money on concessions. I don't know. I it's, I mean, it's nuts. The one thing I don't, I, I disagree with is uh, Troll being a kid movie. I think it's for everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but really though, I think uh, theaters are going away and it's, I don't think AMC's in a spot to say what they're, they're going to do and what they're not going to do. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the 29th, Regal Crown and NATO, which is the National Association for Theater Owners, uh, joins AMC in their fight. And it says, today it is uh, clear again that we will not be showing movies that fail to respect the window as it, uh, as it does not make economic sense to us. Yeah, so now we have more theater chains joining in when it's one studio alone. What do you think if like Disney joins in on this? What do you think that means for theaters? I think theaters are going away. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think it, Disney and Universal by itself is a huge impact. It is, yeah. If they get anything else that's going to impact theaters in a negative way, why? Why do they right. need to exist? Right? Yeah. It, it's so. I think theaters been going down for years with how easy it is with home stream and everything here, and this virus just made it even more a reason why to stay at home. Yeah. So I think theaters, even when they open back up, are going to be hit even more. So for them to kind of dictate what they're going to not do uh, in support of any of these companies is going to hurt. Yeah. And, yeah. And we're going to be seeing a lot of that, I think, also with football and stuff like that. We're going to see some innovations on how to pe- how to make people stay home more often. For example, with football, I have a feeling we're going to get a streaming service out of that pretty soon, which I've been wanting for years. I think that's this is the time for it. Uh, I could see something if if Disney were to say, you know, we don't we're not worried about you guys. They'll probably have a thing within the Disney Plus app where you spend X amount of money to rent a movie for a couple of days like you would in your Dish Network or something. Uh, that would be perfect. Then all of a sudden people, everybody has the Disney Plus app. And then I just spend an extra 20 bucks randomly to watch Mulan or Black Widow. Uh, I mean, if Black Widow, if they were to announce Black Widow was coming out and it was going to cost 40 bucks, I'd rent it right now. I mean, I ain't seen this. It was supposed to be out already. You know, it was supposed to be out this week. Just open up Blockbuster. Yeah, fire up Blockbuster. Let's everybody go pick up your VHSs. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough one, especially since I'm such a big advocate for supporting the comic book shops. It just feels like, you know, oh, you could you could support comic book shops and not theaters. And I would probably say I might use the theaters more, especially with movie passes out. Uh, it's a tough one. So I don't know. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, especially the comic books. I think it depends on. The, the customer getting a hard copy comic book right uh, compared to just re- watching a, a movie at a theater so it's hard but I, I don't I personally don't see I think in you know five years or, or less theaters are going to be slowly shutting down next up we have mangas coming to the switch inky pen is an application for you guys to switch that offers uh, a, an array of uh, comic books you guys can read for $7.99 a month these titles have mostly been kind of these third-party comics or smaller uh, houses uh, or comic book strips, actually, which has really surprised me. So some of them have been like Garfield, uh, The Mask, Sonic the Hedgehog, kind of the smaller titles, you know. Actually, The Mask has been doing really well, really well lately. Anyway, so Inky Pen, uh, they just announced that they're going to be bringing mangas over. And so that's your guys' Japanese animated comic books they read back to front. And uh, they're the source material for a lot of those animes everybody likes. Some of the big heavy hitters is Fairy Tale, Battle Angel Alita, Attack on Titan, and Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, this is another way you guys could be supporting the comic book industry because a part of the money that, that you guys pay for this monthly subscription goes to the licensing fee to all, a lot of these comic book places. So it's a, it's a good way to support. Uh, so Anthony, you've been to Japan in the last few years, correct? Uh, ooh, it was 
man, now I want to say about four or five years ago. Okay, it's been a bit. Okay. Uh, was there any mangas that interest you or, or anything like that? And, uh, nothing. I mean, personally, if I, if I had an opportunity to go back again, if they asked me to move there, yeah. I, I would go in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I loved it there. Um, not a specific one, mm-hmm. I would say per se, but there's so much there. Um, we When I went, I went to Tokyo. So pretty much, I don't know if you recall Fast and Furious movie, the Tokyo one. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Too fast. That's exactly where I was at. The oh, big, no. the Tokyo big Drift, intersection. Right, the big intersection. <laughs> yeah. Where it's got like everyone walking everywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, they got like an electronic district. I mean, it is just amazing. So anybody who hasn't been there and can go there, I recommend it. But it is like anime, manga, all over. And it's uh, some areas, it's kind of like a, a flea market. I guess, or yeah, for for electronics. Oh my god, that's a dream I mean, to me. <laughs> I recommend so it for anybody just to go experience it once. It's it's a great place. Yeah, but you saw quite a bit of manga because I know you were talking about the comic books a lot when you went there. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they have stores. I mean, just full of action figures, comics, um, and it is just store after store. Mm-hmm. So to there, I mean, you can get lost in just going to each store, looking through all of them, and. uh I don't know if there's a way to upload pictures on here, but I got plenty of pictures from then, and I can I can shoot them your way to show the YouTube the, version if you want to. Yeah, we'll put it on the YouTube version, guys. Uh, so you, we'll we'll put those up in the center so you guys can check those out. That's a good idea. Uh, what's the last comic book you've ever read? Um, so I would say probably about four to six months ago. Um, the last comic book I read was Old Man Hawkeye. Oh, how was it? Um, I liked it. I was gonna start buying them, and then I went to go you know go get the next one. I said, oh well, it sold out. Well, yeah, I was like, oh shit, and they said, but we have the next, you know, number four or five is available. I'm like, well, I'm gonna skip two or three of them. Yeah, what can I get them? They said, well, they're not making them now. For now, well, forget it. But um, I liked it. I think yeah. the old man, old, old, kind of how they are in the future was. Yeah, like cool. old man Logan and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I've just finished Red Sun, which is the one where what is Superman landed in Moscow instead of uh. Kansas and he becomes like this Russian agent and very fascinating book. It was really good. Um, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it's it's good. Yeah, Batman's fighting him and he's like, yeah, it's really cool. Um, but I, I I totally understand what you're saying there. It's hard when when you go to a comic book shop. As much as I love them, they'll they'll have those sporadic titles. You want to try something new out. You heard something from a friend. Oh, okay, I'll go pick up the last five issues and three of them are miss, are missing. Uh, so. You have to have something like Comixology or Inky Pen to use, you know. Um, and I think the Switch is perfect for that because Switch is very mobile and it's a good way to get the younger audience into it because a lot of your you know, kids and nephews and nieces, they all got the Switches. Get them Inky Pen for a little bit. Show them some of the books. You can encourage reading. You can encourage comic books. And it's a kind of good use for the Switch. It's better than just, them just playing Fortnite all the time. Uh, is it only available for the Switch? This this app is, of course, there's Comixology and other things like that for uh, the other devices, but uh, for the Switch, it's just Inky Pen, which I think is pretty cool because with the Switch, I think kids are going to be more drawn to like, oh, I'm playing my video game system, I'm I'm like getting away with something, and yet you could have them re- reading at the same time, you know. True. So I think it's pretty cool. All right, let's move on to Fortnite. Speaking of Fortnite, there's a new map that just leaked. This is for the Party Royale mode that has been rumored. Uh, this is going to have a bunch of activities on a map like racing, soccer, and skydiving. This was leaked by HypeX, which we've talked about before in the past. He's an influencer that, hype, that leaks a lot of stuff for them. Uh, and he, he leaked this 
uh, this email that went out to influencers that's this experimental evolving space. So somewhere they're going to try to put activities and then if it doesn't work well, they put out a new activity. What do you think about this where it's like this big sandbox playground that players can come into and just hang out? What are your thoughts on that? Sounds like a World of Warcraft or Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically what Minecraft is. So I think, yeah. So what's that whole space going to entail? What are they going to do? Well, the new map for what the leak showed is it, it's a sprawling island, and there's like certain checkpoints that you go to, and when you go into this point, like it'll trigger a race. So then you and your friends can race through a certain section on a foot race or whatever uh, to another point. And so it feels kind of like uh, Grand Theft Auto in that sense, if you think of how a Grand Theft Auto map works. Right. But I don't know. If I were to play Fortnite, I think I would be just wanting to play Fortnite. I can't imagine going in, hey, let's go do some racing on Fortnite, and then you're just doing these foot races across the island. Right. I, I've never played Fortnite, so I, I've seen it. Oh, wow. i got nephews that are younger that have played it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't see that being... It almost seems like they're just trying to throw some extra yeah, to get some of the people back in that maybe fell off of it. Yeah, I think this might be a way to contest with like Valorant, which is getting so much hype and buzz because of streamers right now that it might be pulling. And I know for a fact it's pulling from Overwatch. Uh, it might be pulling a little bit from Fortnite as well. And so they might be str- uh, or scrambling to find something to throw in there. It could be just them trying to evolve with the times. It just feels like such an odd move from them if they were to just add more if they were to put their map making into additional maps make it to where they could choose a variety of maps on fortnite would be cool something like right. that uh, you know a bigger variety more Maybe skins of course to, right something to expand their what they're doing now and, and make it grow it make it even better not just throw something random at it saying who, who's gonna throw it out and see who's gonna catch it yeah a good contrast to this like you were saying with minecraft minecraft is the same kind of thing where at one point, it was so... It's the number one selling video game of all time. But it was just so hot that everybody was Minecraft. playing it. Oh, yeah, it is. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, what, 11 years old now? And just a couple of days ago, it won the Kids' Choice uh, Kids Choice Award for Best Video Game of the Year. Beating out Fortnite. I'm surprised. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I think we played it when it first came out. We is did. Right? Oh, yeah, we were in the beta for it. Yeah. Yeah, man. And to... To say it's 11 years old, I'm like, no way. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how popular it is now. I, mean, I played it for a while, but I, I'm still surprised that it's still going this strong. You want to feel old, man. This year, World of Warcraft will be 17 years old. Yeah, I'm shutting this off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy. But, you know, looking at Minecraft and how they've kept up to date and relevant, instead of adding random things, which there are modders that do that for them, but instead of adding random things, they've just continued to better the regular gameplay. They'll add items to... It still evolves building or mining, but it's just added to that. It's not like they're adding a racing game to their Minecraft, you know what I'm saying? Right, they're they're adding, they're adding, enhancing what they currently have, not just adding like... You can go, yeah, like you said, race or play a sport that yeah. has nothing to do with the game game's content. Yeah, it feels like they should be focusing on what Fortnite already does well and just making it better and innovating on what they already have, not necessarily changing genres. Can you think of another game that's changed genres and done well with it? Ooh, um, so the only games I can think of have all stayed kind of within their realm. I yeah. Mean, like first one that comes to mind is Call of Duty when they kind of zombies came into play. Right. Still, still big, still kind of Call of Duty-ish first-person shooter. But it was totally different content, I guess, when it comes to zombies. Yeah, but that was it was a different field. It added like this rush, this fear of zombies coming in. That was a good right. a good example. I like to always think of like the Mario and Donkey Kongs, 
when they went to racing. So you had you had Mario Kart and you had Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, both, I think, are some of the best racers. And you wouldn't originally, like, if you're to pitch, like, oh, yeah, but you know how Mario who goes side to side? Let's just make him racing and trust me, it'll do well. And it does really good. And then you have them in fighting games, too. Right. That, tennis. Mario Tennis. Yeah. I about that one. That's a classic. Yeah. yeah man. The 64 version was so good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so there might be a place for it, but I think you have to have iconic characters for that to work. The way the, the ones we're using here all have iconic characters uh, or very similar to their genre. I don't know. We'll have to see how this goes. Fortnite, of course, right now is still a juggernaut. So we'll see. I think Valorant's kind of scaring a lot of people because it's doing really well with the streamers and that's and uh, esports folks, which we'll talk about with Squeaks later on. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be interesting how that shakes out. Next up, Stadia adds more games to it during its uh, Stadia Connect. So the first five games are going to be EA games that are coming this fall. They include Star Wars Jedi, Fallen Order, Madden, and FIFA. Other big games being added is October Octopath Traveler, which I think is added right now. Rock of Ages 3, Creighton, Wavebreak, Ember, Get Packed, and Zombie Army 4. Zombie Army 4 will, uh, is available starting May 1st. So you guys, uh, it's been out for a few days. And if you guys tried the free trial, they've done these like two months free trials. You guys can add this to your library and then play it whenever you want. You don't necessarily need to pay for anything on that. Uh, that's really cool. And then, of course, they added PUBG. This was actually a big splash. They added PUBG completely free to the system. So if you guys have never tried PUBG for some reason, your friends are all playing it. You can play PUBG completely free on Stadia. And it's cross-play. So you can play against people on Steam or the systems that already spent 30 bucks. So that's pretty cool. Have you tried Stadia out yet? I have not. No, I haven't touched it at all. Yeah. Um, I am interested with all the games they have coming out, but what about you? I, I played it a little bit. My internet is a little too slow for their system. They need uh, 25 megabytes, and I live out in the country, so it's been rough. Uh, but I have been adding things to my library because I know this is going to be a matter of time before I am playing it. Um, PUBG being free for everyone, I think, is such a good move because it's a really solid game whenever they don't have hackers messing it up. Uh, so that's a good move. And then, of course, you know the zombie. I already got Zombie Army in there. That's pretty sweet, too. Uh, but I think I think it's gonna be a good call. Have you played? You've played PUBG, right, with us? Oh no, uh, no. no. <laughs> I've, I've watched you guys play it, okay. uh, but I've never played it or, or put that much time into it. Um, I think I know it's still pretty big. I think oh, bringing yeah. PUBG two is gonna bring a lot of clientele. I think I think what we need to do. I think we need to stream us all playing PUBG. I'll re yeah. I'll get it on Steam again. You get it on Stadia right now. It's free. Oh, it's free. It's gonna be and Stadia is free as well. So you can always just play that game for free. I'll download it on Steam. We'll all be getting our PUBG on. We'll stream that out to everybody. So that'd be oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up, and this is the most exciting news. Did you watch the uh, Assassin's Creed trailer? Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> heart attack. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wasn't too sure if it was a trailer or a movie. I had moments like that. I had moments where I'm like, this, if you could almost convince me this shot is live action. It was so crazy. I, when I first started it, I was like, wait a second. I think I clicked on the wrong link here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just totally outstanding. Uh, they they first revealed the fact that this new Assassin's Creed is going to be called Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and it's going to be Viking themed. Uh, through this thing where the uh, sh they streamed their artists making the promotional art for it, and that was a little weird because it was like five hours of watching somebody draw something. But towards the end, it got really interesting when we started getting the details on the actual assassin himself. Uh, but it was really cool. So the trailer that we got here, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, the CGI was super crisp. The characters were full of details. The settings looked really cool. Uh, any notable settings that you're excited to play in that you saw? Um, not necessarily that I think of. Yeah, because we had like um, that frozen Nordic area. It looks pretty neat. And then 
counter to that we have obviously it's like england that's like this green hills and everything like that so we're gonna be bouncing back and forth between the two of those it looks like right yeah uh and then we had uh, some voiceover of some sort of western king I, he's either a french or an english king basically explaining how bad the barbarians are and stuff like that and and then uh and, and while he's doing that, the whole time we're seeing that, no, the, the Vikings are actually good people. They have a, a honorable society and, you know, they're not barbarians. They have no war tactics and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. So I think we're, from what we saw out of the trailer, what we could presume is we're going to be playing as a, as a Viking and we're going to be seeing that Vikings are not these unthinking, you know, blood-hungry barbarians. They're actually trying to find a place for their people. We're leading our people, I believe. Uh, and then we saw a vision of Odin and we saw he has his ravens, his famed ravens are there. And I think those will play as our kind of bird's eye view, which we had as eagles in the past or falcons in the past. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the gameplay? Is there any gameplay you want to see out of this that's, that's going to be unique? So, I mean, I think the Assassin's Creed gameplay by itself is great. Mm-hmm. I think just the story or the feature, like you're talking about the barbarians, That's I, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I think initially looking at it, like you said, we're going to be fighting for a home, I guess. I guess we're kind of like the them coming after us, us, and we're kind of defending them off. But yeah, yeah, um, you know, who knows how that changes? Maybe that's just what we're seeing now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I would assume in the beginning we're going to be the ones that are the invaders. That's how Vikings worked. Uh, but you could tell through the trailer that that we get we don't have the upper hand. That the king sends men after us to try, probably push us out of the land. Uh, so we're going to be trying to defend our new home. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, we're going to be having two axes and the hidden blades. I think that's awesome. Is there any Viking weapons you want to see? Any kind of crazy moves you want to see out of the Vikings? I mean, I think to be just a Viking feel, you got to have the axes. Yeah, yeah. With, with, without that, I mean, you got to just be traditional. I don't want to say it's going to be boring and traditional, but... Kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. It'll be just swords, if not that. And the and the axes, they even show the axe that, that our uh, assassin will have. And it has the Assassin's Creed symbol on there, which is pretty awesome. Um, I'm hoping we get the shields because they didn't show right. that he's using the shield. But that shield is so, you know, legendary to the Viking lifestyle. I hope we get that. Uh, and then we'll probably have sailing back because, of course, Vikings are known for sailing as well. Uh, something that we've seen in the last few games and has really been a high point of the games. Uh, I'm excited for this. I, this is probably the best case scenario for them to pick a uh, timeline for us to be in. Can you think of any other moments in time you want to have an Assassin's Creed follow? Man, so they've touched so many so far, right? They, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. French I Revolution mean, so, and American Revolution. There's, there's a lot. I mean, of course, there's still more they can do, but what they haven't done, have they gone into <clears throat> future, like way in the future? Oh, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, not really. Something, something like that, or have they touched anything? I don't know. It's a tough call. Yeah, I think really far in the future would be uh, more the technical side of it and futuristic side. What do What do you think? Yeah, they need to see a yeah a future version of the game would be cool. I, I, now I'm thinking about that, that'd be really neat. I was telling Squeaks, I'd like to see like a '70s New York where you have like warring mafias and new gangs cool. are on the rise. Uh, so you're trying to balance between gang life and mafia life. And uh, 70s New York was so full of crime. I'd love to see that. Uh, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Or maybe the Mongolians attack on China, which would be really good. Uh, you have this. It Basically, think Mulan. <laughs> I would like to yeah. see it in a Mulan. There was a Chinese uh, Assassin's Creed side-scroller. But I want that to be a full-fledged game. Like, let's get more of that. That'd be really neat. Yeah, it's going to be a 
there's there's so much they can do. I think they nailed it though, because people have been hungry for Vikings. Uh, it'll be it'll be perfect. I think this is a really good choice. What's the what's the release date on this? Uh, we don't have a release date yet, but oh. it looks like it will be within 2020. So that's pretty good. Okay, a, good. a lot of that cinematics looks like it's kind of at the tail end of things. Like they're pretty well complete, so that's pretty cool. All right, guys, that is going to be it for the nerd news. We're moving over to the esports desk for Squeaks, and he's going to be filling us in on Overwatch. All right, we are here at the sports desk. Squeaks, fill us in on some esports. All right, so I can fill in with some Overwatch this week. We just had week 13. So let's start off with Saturday. So I'm going to go off with the uh, Charge versus a Dynasty. It was 3-0. Dynasty, and we're going to get to it here shortly, it had a rough week. They took two losses mm-hmm. this week, uh, both 3-0. Um, they uh, lost, obviously, with the Charge I just mentioned, and then Sparks on Sunday, 3-0 as well. Uh, next match, we had Excelsior versus Dragons. I think this is my uh, match of the week, I would say. For the fact okay. that Excelsior came out strong with map one and two, they won. And then Dragons literally swept the next three rounds. Uh, so, <clears throat> uh, I don't know uh, what the game plan was uh, for Dragons, but whatever they figured out, they they got it and accomplished it because they uh, won the next three rounds after that. Uh, Dallas beat Washington 3-0, uh, as well as Valiant versus rain this was a good one as well because rain came out strong with the first two maps they won and then same thing with the dragons valiant won the the next three matches to win the win the whole match itself uh last game for saturday we had san francisco shock beating the houston outlaws 3-0 as well so a couple of clean sweeps here on a saturday sunday already mentioned that the dynasty was clean swept again by the spark 3-0 after that we had the hunters uh, a great week for Excelsior because they won again, uh, beating them 3-1. Uh, Fusion and uh, um, Eternal. Uh, Fusion came out strong. It's kind of like what we've been seeing, a little trend here uh, this week. They came out strong with the first two wins. Uh, Eternal won map 3 and 4, so we had to go to a map 5, and actually Fusion came back and won the match. So it was looking a little scary for them, uh, losing two in a row after their first two, and then um, came back and went on map 5 to take it all. Uh, Florida dominated uh, uh, Boston Uprising. We talked about this last week. Boston Uprising has not been doing very well uh, this season yeah. with their only one victory still. Uh, so last place on the uh, table. And our last match for this week, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm proud of this one, but the Gladiators actually came out with a win against Toronto, uh, 3-1. Uh, a little nervous at first because uh, Toronto took the first map 2-0, and then uh, Gladiators came back and won uh, the next three maps. Why were you Why were you happy about that one? Because my Gladiators won. <laughs> <laughs> if everybody hasn't followed us on uh, on the social medias, you'll see that uh, Squeeze just got a brand new Gladiators jersey. It looks great. I did. I did. <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> uh, okay. And then uh, for upcoming events, guys, this is a good time to get into the Rocket League. Championship's about to start on the 8th Ooh. to the 9th. Super excited for this. I know uh, Joe's uh, a big fan of the Rocket League esports. And then we're continuing with CSGO. We have the DH Masters Spring 2020 happening in uh, Europe and North America. That's going to be starting up in a week from now uh, with uh, with a combined, uh, looks like, 32 uh, participants. So it's going to be uh, pretty big when they got all the big guys coming in for that. We currently still have Overwatch Season 3 going on. And then we also have Overwatch Contenders. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but it's something I'm just learning about myself. This is kind of the AAA if I'm going to compare it to physical sports. 
where it's uh it's a bunch of pretty professional Overwatch. I mean, no, what am I saying? These are pro professional, you know, Overwatch players that are not in the Overwatch League. So when the Overwatch League needs to pull somebody up from from uh from the pro into the into the high end, they go to Contender. So check out Overwatch Contenders, guys. It's also going to be on YouTube as well. So that's pretty cool because they have that that contract uh, with Blizzard. So pretty good time. Uh, CSGO is going strong right now and everything like that. Over on our Twitch channel, we're going to be broadcasting a lot of the CSGO stuff because we're starting to warm up into their championship, which will be in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so in two weeks, we'll do a full report on everything CSGO because it's, it's getting to be really awesome right now. It's really great. Nice. Um, now, you had a story for us, right, with the Overwatch Pros. you want to get dig into that one? Uh, yeah, real quick. I mean, the, the story's on the website. But So we were getting some news that it all started off with uh, Sin... Oh, my God. I'm going to jack his, his name. Sinatra. Sinatra leaving yeah. uh, San Francisco shocked. And it just that I thought, well, we, I think a lot of us assumed on the first day that he was just going to retire. Okay, cool, whatever, doing his own thing. Turns out the mm-hmm. next day there was a trend of other Overwatch uh, Pros leaving. You're like, what the heck is going on? So it turns yeah. out... Uh, Sinatra is going to play uh, uh, Valorant uh, for the pro team. Um, I forget what the pro team was that he was going on. Uh, Sentinels, I believe. Yes, yeah, it's Sentinels. Sentinels. Yeah. Uh, so he's going over there. Now, other players are uh, kind of like in the new how Valorant's being run and Riot's enthusiasm to get the league started and getting it yeah. to being a lot bigger. So we're uh, seeing Overwatch players getting kind of fed up with how Blizzard is uh is running the league or how they're doing the game with the rotations and they're right, switching right. over now uh so it's not confirmed that everybody wants out this is just a little i think this is a little hiccup hopefully we can kind of regroup and the overwatch league will still continue being successful as it has been uh mm-hmm. but i think blizzard might need to step back i mean this is just my opinion and step back and be like okay what can we do to fix these if we have a lot of players complaining about how overwatch is uh play now um we might need to uh do something with the league to try to keep these players what what is their main complaint uh so balancing and hero rotation uh which i think i've had a complaint about this as well as myself uh what we're getting is they're yeah. taking away two dps one tank one healer but i've seen uh almost not back-to-back weeks but pretty close that uh i'm a big mccree fan he was gone uh i believe week 11 and or 10 and 12 one of those it was uh he was gone one week back and then gone again it's like well maybe we need a better uh way to figure out the rotation if we're just going to see a character not being used that close to each other almost back to back um so i can see that as well being a big complaint right yeah and some of these characters when they're gone they're such big game changers that that it affects the entire team when you lose somebody like uh, say you lose a Moira or a uh, Mercy. For if you have a Mercy, your team will train and train and train with a pocket Mercy, knowing what she can do. Mm-hmm. But then when you drop that, uh, yes, I understand that they should be able to adapt, but it's an it's a balancing issue. If you haven't balanced a character enough, then there's no reason to adapt. That character is for the situation. Yes, you know, and so you run into these situations where okay, whose fault is that? Well, then that's Blizzard. Blizzard did not balance that character enough, and I've always been okay with their their balancing in Overwatch, but I'm at the tier where that doesn't really matter. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm not, the, I'm not to the degree where I would notice it. Yeah. Uh, so that it's an interesting situation to be in. Now, personally, I find with esports, this is just something that's going to happen. If you look at like older esports games, they're still strong. We look at CSGO is one of the best examples for that. There's Team Fortress esports and stuff like that as well. These games will exist and continue to have an esports following that's strong, Starcrafts and whatnot. 
but they won't necessarily be in the limelight. And for some of these players, Sinatra's a good example, they're in it for the cash, they're in it for the fame, and at a certain point, Overwatch won't be that. Yes. Uh, Overwatch 2 is on the horizon, and if Valorant doesn't pay off, they'll be back. There will be. I have no doubt on that for Overwatch 2. Um, but right now, Valorant's where the money's at. Valorant's where the attention is at, most yeah. importantly. Do you think that has any reason for them to move? Oh, for sure. I mean, because it's kind of like us as gamers. We're going to play a game, we're going to play it for so long, and then next thing you know, there's something new comes out, and we're going to be more attracted to it. So Valorant's getting mm-hmm. a huge amount of hype just because of its uh, beta that was uh, just came out, and everybody's getting these keys. And you know what? They, the way they released the keys, too, was just so much talk and hype behind that. It's getting people's attention like, what is this thing? Uh, so right, I feel exactly. like overall was... Even though we could have been pissed off because we didn't get keys or didn't try to get keys, whatever the case may be, uh, we still knew about these keys and about this game called Valorant. Um, so right. I think they're doing a very good job at super hyping it, super going 100% on making it huge, and it's bringing the attention of others. Now, I think we're going to see this for other games too. I mean, this is not the end. Um, I mean, we're, we're if people are getting tired of Overwatch, like, okay, how long can I really pay attention to Overwatch for so long? I mean, Overwatch 2 is going to come out, and then there'll be talk about Overwatch 2 and different of course. Um, uh, matches and objectives in each match. So it's going to be a, a little uh, new to us to watch each game. Um, and that's going to grab the attention back to others. Uh, do you think these teams, or I guess it would be team or Blizzard thing, I don't really know how that works, but do you think if a player uh, leaves for this reason, Sinatra, so he leaves for Valorant, our yeah. welcome back. Is it a team thing, a Blizzard thing? What do you think? Well, I think there's going to be hurt feelings from the company side, right? Mm-hmm. For the player side, depends on the reason for leaving, like how he left. If it was so suddenly, then I wouldn't want him back on my team, right? Because yeah. you, you have to be able to really trust your other player. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things where I think it's the nature of the sport. So if you guys are new to esports, and a lot of our listeners are, you guys are new to esports. Uh, the way to think of esports isn't like, oh, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan or I'm a San Francisco 49er fan or something like that. You have to be a fan of the player. I think that's really what it boils down to. Because these players change teams often. And their loyalty to a certain location is is fleeting at best. Yeah. Uh, so I think we have to go with that in game as well. So if you were a Sinatra fan, you like how dynamic he is and how entertaining he is. I mean, he brings fire wherever he goes. Uh you have to you have to start watching Valorant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I think that's just what it is. You have to trust the player is going to continue being that player in a new game. Uh, and I think if he if you're coming if he's going to be going back to and I know he will eventually. Our Overwatch Two is going to you know attract a lot of people. Yeah. When that happens, players will be coming back. And I think that the teams have to understand that this is just how the business works. Yeah. Um, I wish. I mean, I don't know. I think that's just how it is. What do you think about that? Is there a way around that? A way to kind of have Somebody to root for, and it has to be a person over a team. What are your thoughts on I all think, that? I mean, because uh, I'm going to take – I agree with that. Like, we, we have a player, but then we have a team too. So I'll right. uh, have it – I'll compare it to basketball because there's a lot of players that I like that are not on the Lakers. I'm a Lakers fan. Um, mm-hmm. That I like to follow, and I root for them unless you're going against my team, of course. Uh, so I can see that if you have a following for Sinatra and you want – I think jumping in a league is a little harder. It's not like, oh, LeBron James is going to play the NFL now. Um, right. So that might be <laughs> that a little hard because awesome. <laughs> yeah, now I have to understand and try to force myself to like Valorant. You know, like if I really yeah. like Sinatra now, I got to like, oh, well, I really like him. I think he's awesome, but I'm not a big Valorant fan, so I don't really care anymore. 
See, and, and, I, and I might be thinking a little bit more streamer side of things because okay. there's so many people who watch streamers and don't even care what they're playing. They'll just watch them for who they are. Yeah. So I wonder how much of esports is carried by that. You know, if mm. you're if you're a fan of of what Sinatra does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a real tough one. We'll have to see how things go. What I want out of the future, and there's only a few companies I see doing this. ESL is kind of trying to master this. Uh, Method from World of Warcraft is mastering this, where they kind of stretch themselves over multiple games, yeah. and so that there's a one brand you can root for. I'm a Method fan, which means I'm a, a fan of Method when they're doing arenas. When they're doing MDIs, when they're doing Hearthstone or whatever, as long as they have that method name, I'm, I'm a fan for them because I know that I know that community. And I think we need to get that for more things. There's the Excelsior and the Subliners. That is, Call of Duty is a Subliners. Excelsior is for Overwatch. That's one group, though. So if you're a fan of that group, and I can't remember that it's Appbox, I think it is, um, then then you have something to root for. You know what I'm saying? I think we need more teams to start doing that. So say... For example, San Francisco Shock. It, why not have a Shock team that's in the Valorant? There's no reason not to. I 100% back you up on that. Because then, you know what? Then maybe we didn't... Man. So maybe a lot of the Overwatch teams, if they thought about this as well, I'm sure some of them... So Los Angeles Gal Gladiators, did they even have enough time to even get into Valorant? And be like, hey, maybe we should make a Los Angeles Gladiators Valorant team. I don't know if like teams are like that name is connected with blizzard like you can't take it elsewhere uh team name that's a good point yeah because the overwatch league is kind of unique in the fact that they've made sure to commercialize the heck out of it yeah it, it might be too hard to do that with yeah. but then like you said like if excelsior had something you said sentinels whatever the case may be like if subliner subliner is the other one um yeah. if they're like an associated group and then yeah you're right like i can back them up because i'm such a big fan of uh, excelsior yeah, this is something I want to follow up on. You and me, let's pay attention to this yeah. and see what, what can be done there because it's all front office, really. I'm not expecting the players for Shock to play for a new version oh, or a new sure. game. Yeah. I'm expecting the Shock brand to be on multiple games because then I could root for Shock no matter what they're playing, like I currently do for Method. Yeah. So we'll have to follow up on this. Uh, in the world of esports, is there anything else you want to bring out before we move on to our next topic? Um, no, I mean, that's pretty much all I had. That's awesome, guys. All right, guys, stick with us. Next week, we're going to have more esports for you. Dana's going to be coming in for the latest of League of Legends. Now let's discuss some Gears of War tactics with Squeaks. Squeaks, you've been playing this game for a bit now. Uh, overall, are you having fun with this thing? Uh, I am. Uh, I kind of go back and forth with it, um, if I'm enjoying it or not. But it's one of those games where um, let's I'll throw out like a Dark Souls, uh, a Neo, uh, Bloodborne, where after so much time you get better with it, and then you find yourself, oh, this is getting easier. It's not because of the difficulty-wise, but it's because you're actually learning uh, specific strategies and tactics that you can use and be prepped for. So I am enjoying it a lot more now than I did in the beginning. So you're saying that because you, it's all about your knowledge is what makes you better, but that's not the gameplay, correct? Uh, so it's basically XCOM, and it's a, a turn-based uh, strategy game. Uh, you set your players up to um, different positions on the battlefield, and um, it's really heavy on countering. Um, so you always, what you do, it's like chess. You always look for the next move. Um you play wrench plan the next move before you even take the current move. Okay. 
So is there a story to this game or is it just match per match? Yeah, no, there's a story to it. I believe it takes around 12 years before the events of Gears War 1. Uh, so a whole new set of characters. Um, um, no one that you've seen before. So I kind of, I kind of like it just cause we get a new, a newer cast. That's uh, I know we're recently new with Gears of War four and five, that whole trilogy are going on. If it is a right. trilogy or more. Uh, so it's kind of neat to introduce even more characters. That is cool. And, and the story is going to be setting up number one. So you're kind of seeing the first, first uh, of the as of right now, there's no hints to it, but yeah, that's it. Um, I don't know if it's going to set up actually. Because uh, oh, it's so really? far ahead. Yeah, it's so far ahead. 12 years, I don't see this game expanding 12 years. But, like I said, I'm only like maybe uh, six missions in. I'm not very far. So what are you fighting then? Are you are you fighting Locust or no? So you're fighting the Locust. And one thing that I was disappointed with is I thought we would actually see the emergence day uh, happen. Right. But you don't. It's already happened. So you're kind of... Yeah, you're you're fighting the good fight, but that's the one thing that I was pretty disappointed on because I wanted to see the events unfold instead of already taking place. Do you think they'll save that for another standalone game that might fall within the regular Gears of War playstyle? I, f- I feel like it's bound to happen. Like we've we've heard about this day and we know about the story of Emergence Day, but how come we don't have a game? Like, did they think of the cog wasn't ready for it? How come there wasn't a cog if there was no military? There has to be something, and it'd be nice to. See see the events unfold uh right in person okay so returning to gameplay uh do you have multiple characters you unlock as you go or are you kind of given everything at one time and does each character have a specialization that makes them unique yeah so you do have a certain amount of characters uh, right off the bat um but you do unlock more as you go on uh via side missions or just part of the story so, for instance, you start off with kind of like Gabe and Sid. They're like the main two duo that's in the Skews of War Tactics. And as the story goes on, you're like, oh, I unlocked someone that's a close range specialist. So they're a specialist. Um, they have specialties for, for each character. Um, you have a, a medic person uh, that you start off with right off the bat. And then you can upgrade um, his medic abilities. So each character has this talent tree. And there's kind of four... Uh, four specs to um, gradually upgrade. So speaking of, let's just say the medic, because I was talking about them. There's a surgeon class, a paragon class, a strategist class, and a combat medic. Now each one that you build up the tree to gives you certain abilities. That's more heavy to, if I'm a combat medic, I will have some uh, uh, more healing abilities while I'm able to kill at the same time. But then if you right. go surgeon, you might have uh, damage reduction, uh, but also healing targets um, at the same time. So the that's what I, I, I really like that because it gives you multiple ways to play uh, the one character. Okay, so you have a healer. Do you have anybody that sort of like tanks in a, in a normal role and you have ranged and melee? Is there anything else that might be in there, like utility class? Um, there's not so much of utility class, to be honest. I mean, there's, um, you got your warden, which is basically like a 75 damage reduction. Um, your sniper, which is obviously, you can play him as a marksman or you can play him as a hunter. And each of them obviously doing different skills. And I'm building that one as a hunter right now. And if, uh, what's like really neat is that if you shoot the target, if the target that you shoot is downed or kill your person gains the maximum actions again. So basically each character has a turn, has a certain amount of turns that they can do, a certain amount of right. actions that they can do in one turn. Um, so this ability would actually give me back those turns. Um, okay. 
so there's that but i mean each one's uh special uh in a way um some of them you can't unlock troops that do the same thing not a big deal Uh, i mostly play with some of the main story characters because that's Mm -hmm. when you start hitting like okay i got a sniper okay i got the guy with the uh heavy minigun all right so we know the story is a prequel and we we have a bit of the gameplay let's go over the visuals now this is a top overview correct correct what do you think of the graphics so at first I had a, I was pretty disappointed okay. um, for some reason, but I'm going off uh, off a of PC and for some reason it had my graphics a little uh, dumbed down. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what reason it says something about my graphics card, or whatever. So I changed the settings. I beefed them up. Looks a lot better, but I'm not impressed with so much of the locusts. Uh, some of these crawling locusts, the little really tiny ones that kind of just crawl over the walls and stuff, they don't yeah. look as good as Gears of War 1. And I don't oh, really wow. know. And this is not um, texture of graphics in a graphics card. This is like the design of them. It doesn't look as well. Hmm. Um, so that was the part's a little disappointing. I've noticed sometimes on the vehicles, it constantly feels like I'm trying to load the texture on this vehicle. At a certain point, does it sharpen up? Um, you know, it's like certain parts of the vehicle are sharpened and some are not. Wow. That's so yeah. weird that they... It's really that's ugly. Poor design. That's not optimized. Yeah, it's really ugly. Um, at first, it was like that for my armor, and then that's when I found out there was a setting in my... Um, uh, it was just a, a setting in the settings that I had to fix. But some of it's mm-hmm. still like, what is going on? Why is it like this? Hmm. And that I okay. can't figure out. What would you... So, you definitely have some cons, but I think you're overall enjoying the game. Uh, what kind of grade would you give this? Um, well, before I do that, um, <laughs> I'm a little, yeah, I am enjoying the game, but sometimes it's so annoying and repetitive for each mission, each mission you get to an objective and I find myself like, okay, if you get to the objective in 15 turns, you're done. Sweet. Awesome. Get to the objective. I did the, uh, little, uh, what do you call it? A little bonus, uh, objective if you can do it like like i was saying the 15 turns if you do 15 turns you can do that oh by the way now that you got to that part of the mission we're going to throw more locusts and now you have to escape like oh my gosh if i knew that i would have moved a little faster yeah so i feel like they're kind of holding your hand taking you step by step this is what you gotta do this is what you gotta do but they don't give you the overall picture so it's like i can't uh see like the full the full map, the full scope of what everything I have to do is. Yeah, it uh, sounds like they're not like telegraphing your actual objectives to you well enough. Exactly. Like you're being spoon-fed, um, but you're like, I know what I'm doing, just tell me what the objective objective is, and I'll get it done. It's it's super frustrating. And and also is when you think you're almost done, it's like, oh, hold on, we're going to throw a hello locust at you. And it's like, hold on, what? Like, just end this. I'm ready to go to the next level now. Yeah. Um. So I think that's that, that part's very poor. Um, going back to the grade, with the visuals that I'm not too impressed in design of the locusts and how the levels um, are developed, I'm going to... Are we doing like letter grade? I'm gonna letter grade. grade. Letter we will grade. always do letter grade from now on. Okay. Minuses or no minuses? Of course, <laughs> minuses. And, oh, okay. yeah, you got to. Oh, yeah. I am doing uh, like a C plus. C plus. Okay, yeah. that's... I actually thought that was going to be even lower, but that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, but I'm a I'm a huge Gears of War fan, so I was really hoping to give this a B plus A. But it's yeah. just, oh man, just watching this or going through this is so frustrating sometimes. 
Okay. All right, C plus guys, if you have the Game Pass, you guys can play it on the Game Pass and try it out for yourselves. Let us know what you guys would think of the game. Uh, do you suggest other people at least try it if they have Game Pass? Oh, a hundred percent. If it's, if you have Game Pass, try it. It's, I mean, come on, it's free. You can try any game really. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're a huge Gears fan, if you have Game Pass, you play Xbox, you probably play Gears of War. If you want to continue the story and be in that universe, oh yeah, for sure, play it. Sounds good. I think I have to pick it up. All right, next up we have our top five fantasy movies. All right, guys, we're going to be moving on to our top five fantasy movies. And let's go ahead and discuss what this means. So we didn't think about this beforehand, but what is fantasy movie? Uh, When you Google fantasy movie, it comes up with things like Avengers and it comes up with some crazy off the wall stuff that just basically wouldn't be in reality. And I guess that's true. That is fantasy. A lot of things are like sci-fi. Um, I went with my list. I went with like magic and dragons and swords. Um, and I know uh, we have a bit of a variety in our list. What we're going to do is we're going to go from five to one. So Anthony, why don't you start us off? What is your number five fantasy movie? So number five. So I guess I got my fantasy and uh, definition mixed up, but I'm going to go with hook with Robin Williams. So, so good. I think it's closer to fantasy than some of the other ones I've seen. Yeah. True, I guess, for the rest of my list once we go through. But uh, to me, not only the story, but Robin Williams. I mean, I think everything he does is is hard not to like. Yeah. I don't think there's one movie I don't like of him. And out of all the movies going back to when I was a kid, this was one that I enjoyed watching. And Dustin Hoffman, too, as Hook, was just so freaking good. And, you know, his good form and stuff like that. I just, he was amazing. I just watched this recently because the Nerdist was doing a live stream for it. And uh, and it was a lot of fun to watch uh, Dante Brasco, who hopefully we'll be able to talk to pretty soon next time Sacramento Comic Con's up. But uh, he was doing the live stream as well. And he had mentioned some neat little fact that at the end, when they were choosing what kid will be the new leader of the Lost Boys, none of the kids knew who they were going to choose. So that was actually a surprise to all the kids. I just thought that was a really cool wow. fact. Yeah. Hey, that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite scene from that movie? To me, uh, my favorite would be... Um... When they're fighting, when they're kind of like dueling, just them two. Oh yeah, hook in. Yeah, That's been, yeah. yeah. One of my highlights is just kind of watching more of the action part of it. Yeah. What, what about you? Oh, mine has to be like it's my favorite line of the movie is so the whole time we have this Rufio chant right, and then there's that part where when Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman are about to fight, and then Rufio comes in, and Rufio's going to hold off Hook while he goes saves his kids, and then you have Hook who's clearly been fighting uh, Rufio this whole time, and he's doing that like, evil version of the Rufio chant where he's like. Roof, e oh, like he's just ah oh, the menacing voice and like that. Yeah, it's perfect yeah, casting yeah. on both sides. It's just one of those things where I was like that moment right there was done so well. What about you, Jonathan? Do you have any favorite moments from? Hook? Oh, I'm glad you asked. My favorite. It's it's easy one. It's that big feast they have where their imagination is like really like made real in, in front of you. They're yeah. like pretending like they're eating out of these big pots of food and they got their mouths full and huge hamburgers and stuff and then you know it all becomes real and it's like oh shit that's tight like you know your imagination in their world because you know they're in like an imaginary world whatever their imagination comes real so that's pretty awesome that is a really cool scene yeah and then as an adult when you watch it because again i just watched it recently the the little kids are trying so hard acting wise it's just adorable you know it's like as a kid i didn't notice that but as an adult you're just like man these kids are giving it their all that's so cool it's really neat uh, all right, I'll go with my number five next. And my number five is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, of the Harry Potters, this is my favorite one. And by the way, 
quick little rule. We're only choosing one if we have if it's out of a franchise like this. So this is my favorite Harry Potter. Uh, it brought in Sirius Black. Uh, this one came out in 2004, and it's the third in the franchise. And I just and it had like a couple of the characters that were really neat. It had time travel in there, which I love. Anytime they introduce time tra- time travel, and then of course for the rest of the Harry Potter movies, I'm sitting there like, why don't you guys use a time turner? <laughs> Fix this all right now. Right. But uh, and I didn't read the book, so for me this is everything. And Squeaks, if he was here right now, he'd be upset that we're not talking about the books more. Um. But it was just the perfect Harry Potter. Uh, what do you guys like about Prisoner Azkaban? Do you think it was a pretty good one? Yeah, that's actually my number two uh, on my okay. top five. Uh, but that that was my favorite. And also, it's because of the characters. I really liked uh, uh, Sirius Black. And, and the, yeah. they introduced, I think, the those... Um, I can't remember what they're called now, but the Black... Dementors. Yeah, Dementors. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and so they're real just kind of creepy and soulless and just real a good villain in it. And Sirius Black being like a bad guy, and then he, he's redeemed. And like, oh no, he's actually a really good guy that was just you know portrayed wrong and stuff. It's like, oh man, it was a real Rogan of the Harry Potters. I like you know pretty much all of them, uh, but since we had to narrow it down, that that's my number two right there too. Yeah, what do you think, Anthony? Where does this one rank amongst your Harry Potters? Oh, it's gonna be up there. It's gonna be one of the top ones. Yeah. I mean, like you guys said, the Dementors they, they scared the shit out of me. <laughs> uh, but uh. You know, whether you're a Harry Potter fan or not, you enjoy the movies. And that's one thing I like about Harry Potter. I'm not, I didn't read the books either. Yeah. Uh, I'm not somebody that's going to sit down and read the books either, honestly. Uh, but I am a Harry Potter fan, especially if you go to Disney World and, and you go to the rides. And Whether you love Harry Potter or not, you enjoy it. So that's one thing this movie does rank up. That one particularly ranks up pretty high for me. Yeah, it's classic. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you bring us your number five? Uh, my number five was uh, Edward Scissorhands. And okay, that one, okay. it's it's another one that's kind of like, eh, is it fantasy? Is it not? But I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> it's out there, I guess. Um, but it was just such a iconic movie in you know pop culture, uh, and it really just kind of makes you think outside the box. Like when you see somebody who's weird, and you know somebody on the streets, you you automatically judge them. Uh, but then this kind of pulls you into their world with you know this guy who's you know raised with this this I don't know, deformity or whatever um it just kind of gives you a whole different perspective and it's very artistically done very well done i like the kind of light and dark in the movie so it was just a cool movie all around yeah very tim burton yeah uh, feel of course from him I, I personally did not care for this movie really i've never i've never liked it but uh i it's definitely you know one of people's favorites and stuff like that anthony what are your feelings on on edward scissorhands so I haven't watched that movie. I mean, it's what thirty years old. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and I I really haven't watched that movie for a long time. But I remember when I first did watch it, and I'm sitting there watching, like, what what the hell is going on? Um, and now uh, that was I was younger, yeah. over ten years ago. Um, so it's a I guess it's a love hate. Like I I like the movie because Johnny Depp and so I, I like it, but I don't really know. I, I stuck in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might be the case for me, too, because I, it has been a very long time since I've seen it, so I might have been too young to really appreciate it. And so, yeah. I think, what it I is. think it's a, one of the movies we got to go back and watch again. Yeah, now that I think about it, I think I'll join you on that. Uh, let's go ahead and move into our number fours. Anthony, why don't you give us your number four? Ooh, number four, all right. So I went with Avengers, but not any particular Avengers. Oh, you got you to gotta narrow it down, man. Which one's your favorite Avengers? Oh man, you're killing me here. Um, ooh, 
I like the last one. And yeah, yeah, Endgame. Yeah, that's that's a good. End, one. Endgame was probably one of my favorite. Other than, it was a long movie. I think watching it the second time around hit me like, damn, this movie's long. Yeah. The first time though, I I didn't feel that at all. Uh, but I think that was probably one of my best one, one of my favorite, just with it, bringing everything together. I think the action scenes were, were on point, and how much action scenes were throughout the whole movie. Can you can you name a specific scene that was like most important to you? Um, I would. I don't know if about most important, but the end where they had the massive war. Right. Right. That was probably one of my favorite scenes. Like, oh shit. Well, amongst that massive war, I can think of like probably like four or five moments. You know what I'm saying? Was there any particular moment that really rung to you? The nod to Doctor Strange. Well, um, what about the that end? Was all, oh, God, yeah, that, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That point or the I'm end. I'm gonna try where... not to cry right now, darling. <laughs> oh shit! I've already started. Um, <laughs> the end where Captain America kind of takes a stand down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's one. Yeah. I, I when he grabs Mjolnir, that's for me. Like, oh, oh my God, yeah. I've been waiting for this moment <laughs> since Thor came in. Uh, that was so big. It just he grabs it and then he like strikes the ground and lightning comes up and you're just like that is and then he uses it in combination with his shields really well Mm -hmm. uh it's just and then you see thor who's just like i knew it or something like that it's just oh man what a i might have to rewatch this i might have a marathon going on tonight guys oh man disney plus yeah right so good uh jonathan other than the the doctor strange now that really gets you yeah i think that's that's my favorite especially later when you realize like kind of more what that meant you're like oh my god that was him just saying you know it's okay to sacrifice yourself right now to save all of humanity. This is the one out of a million that I yeah. foresaw. And it's just like giving him permission oh, to go ahead and do it. It's like, oh man, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Isn't there like a sad moment with um, Iron Man? What was that? Yeah, I know I it's not on it. any of our lists, but yeah, the fact that he kills himself, <laughs> sacrifices himself, yeah. everybody else isn't on anybody's list is kind of funny. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, um, that's that's going to be one point there too. Yeah, we have to at least mention it. We love you, Tony. Love you, 3000. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next one. I think it's my turn, right? Number four. Uh, we're going Princess Bride for me. This is fun. It came out in 87. Uh, the whole family could enjoy it. And it was a bit of a hidden gem when it first came out. Nowadays, it's just like a cult classic. Everybody knows about it. But when it first came out, it's one of those things where you'd go to your aunt's house. And she was like, oh, I rented this movie from Blockbuster. It's got like a princess in it. So it was Everybody was just kind of mummering about it. Um, but as soon as you saw it, you're like, oh, this was just a lot of fun to watch. And nowadays, it's a cult classic that everybody's talking about. And uh, had really great scenes, really amazing characters, which really took it up. Uh, you know, Andre the Giant, it's so great. And then um, it, it's just perfect. It's just a really good movie with really good characters. It's one of those movies where all the side characters shine so much more than the main characters. That The main characters are basically just the vessel that carries the story forward so that we can meet the new side characters. So excellent movie and i love it all the way have you guys enjoyed princess bride in the past i i haven't seen it for years that's why i was thinking about putting it on my list too because like when you're searching online there's so many people that that you know put it in their top lists but i'm like it's i, I remember liking the movie i remember it was a good movie but god i can't remember majority of the plot so i i couldn't i couldn't put it on my list yeah what about you Cheddar? yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to pass on that one because uh i don't recall even watching it oh it's a good so. one you sit down with your wife yeah. and watch it. And remember, it's from 87. So, um, you know, there's guys in giant rat suits that clearly are guys walking around in giant rat suits. But it is really cool. Man, it's it's a good one. Really good side characters. So it's really cool. Jonathan, why don't you give us your number four? My number four is uh, Dragonheart. I don't know if you guys remember that phenomenal movie. Why is that not on my list? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Such wow. A yeah. Um, so 
you have to understand if you watch it today, CGI has evolved immensely. But back then, when we watched it, we thought, holy shit, somebody found a legit dragon and they taught him how to talk because this is shit is real. <laughs> so he sounds like Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. That's a lucky. Um, well, yeah. Who do you think taught him how to speak? Come on. Now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just such a you know good movie. The CGI was really exciting back then, and it's all about um, you know moral integrity and all that stuff. So it has a really good message. Uh, but it was just a fun, action-filled family movie. So I, I loved it. If I had remembered that, that would easily have been in my list. That was such a good find. I think up. my number three is gonna blow up your list too. <laughs> oh man, I'm excited. Wait. Man, yeah, that's one movie that I I would have to go back and rewatch. It's been years before I even, I mean, even thought of that name. Yeah, I think it was one of them that like we rewatched a lot as kids and mm-hmm. we had VHS. You know, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis Quaid was classic, and of course Sean Connery. Now you were you were kind of talk, joking around about the CGI. I think the CGI holds up better than Jurassic Park CGI. Uh, probably. I don't know. Um, it's it's hard too because for Jurassic Park they're showing many different creatures. For this, for for Dragonheart, it's the same dragon over and over, so they can spend a little more time yeah. on details. I think. Very good point. Yeah, because I was thinking like the budget wise, Jurassic Park wins it, but mm. I think the CGI is still holding up better than like if you were to see that T Rex chasing the Jeep in the rain, <laughs> like oof, that is rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thinking Man, practical effects might have been a better choice for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. What do we have at number three there, Anthony? All right, I'm going with Avatar. Avatar. All right, this is the blue space people avatar, right? Yes, yes. Not not your uh, arrow on the head oh, bender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that one. I'm going with the, the blue space people. All right, what uh, do... I think still today that movie is competing with others. I mean, I think it what recently got beat a few years ago as being one of the top movies in yeah, the theaters? Yeah, by your earlier choice, yeah. Right. So, I mean, the story's still good. I think, I think the story has a lot behind it. I mean, just... It's not just about fighting or, or right. controlling the space. Um, and I love the rise of Disney World. So I think that's one major major reason why too. That, yeah, I think that might be influencing you quite a bit because everybody I've talked to has just totally loved that ride. Um, oh, yeah. If it, you haven't done it, even for the listeners, go out and go on that ride. Probably next year when they open back up. But right. who knows? That Pandora like whole set doesn't have like floating rocks too and everything like that or is it, am i mistaken it looks like that i mean especially at night at, when you're walking through at night is when it's amazing because everything's lit up just the whole scenery it's just it just surprises me on how much they put out for that hmm. yeah when that movie came out we all watched it a couple times the 3d in that thing was stunning too it's such a good job and i'm surprised how how popular that movie got i mean because i mean what was driving there's nothing like oh, okay star wars came out and now here's another one everybody knows what's going on with it with this one it's a brand new movie off the street and how big it got yeah yeah i think i think maybe that yeah it was just all around a good movie that the cameron uh well, i can't remember his name the director though was such a, a big pool for james cameron thank yeah. you such a big pool after titanic and terminator and stuff like that, that that was one of the reasons i know i wanted to see it and I, I think they just took their time and they put a lot of money into it and just focused on the details. It had a good story, but they just pumped everything they could into the visual effects and just making it just a just beautiful, just perfect. So I think they just took yeah. the time and focused on the still, details. I mean, how long was that? When that movie come out? Do you, you guys know? It's got to be around to like oh nine or something around there. Yeah, and I think it still keeps up with today. Oh yeah, visually for sure. Yeah, it definitely does. And then they have three three more coming out here pretty soon. 
that are all slated to be released from that same so let's, from that same uh, world. They're all prequels. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Oh man, I'm very worried. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. James Cameron, I don't know, man. We'll see how he's kind of gone a little bit crazy. A little bit of the deep end. He likes to go <laughs> look for Titanic uh, too much nowadays. I don't know how he's doing, but we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm a little worried by it, but we'll see. My number three is going to be Neverending Story. It came out in uh, 84. This one, again, was was just visually just so surprising to me. And it's one of those movies that I don't know if we ever owned the VHS growing up. But, I mean, I own all that stuff now. Um, but I remember every time it was like reruns, it would always do reruns, and I'd watch it. And so I'd catch bits and pieces at a time. I wouldn't necessarily catch the entire thing all at once because that's how back then TV worked, guys. So uh, you watch what you could. And just there were certain scenes that I would just sit there and like, oh, my God, look out. And I get number two and one mixed up. So if I'm getting the scenes wrong, but like, look at that giant turtle. That's so amazing. And one in particular is where he has to make it past the two big statues that look down upon him as he passes them the, in this like gateway. It was like that was my first fantasy movie. So that there set the tone for what I wanted out of the future. And to this day, like in Minecraft, whatever, I like to build big, giant things because I think a lot of it is seeing those statues and how awe-inspiring they were. Lord of the Rings basically mimicked them with the same big kind of statues as they passed through and had these watchful eyes over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just a really good epic story, and I think it's something that I know I don't necessarily want to be remade, but I would like to see a series out of that world, something done by HBO or AMC. I think would do really really well. What are your guys' thoughts for number three? Well, uh, uh, Jonathan. Um, so I. I remember scenes of that movie like you, but I can't remember the whole story of it. So I did want to put it in my top, but I'm like, I can't put it in my top if I can't really remember enough of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I do remember the scene with the uh, bubbles. I think it was David Bowie's blowing bubbles and he was floating in or... That's Labyrinth. Oh, good thing I didn't add that movie to my list. <laughs> That's a, that one, uh, Labyrinth and Willow were also another one. That's like, I remember I really liked the movie, but I can't remember the story enough to keep it straight. So, yeah. no. We lived through an era of 80s awesome movies that were like that. So I, no no guilt there. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. kind of all blend together. Yeah, good thing I didn't put what on is, <laughs> What is your number three? Uh, my number three was... Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. I, I can't believe nobody else put this on their list yet. Waterworld. Okay, yeah, that's why it's blowing my mind. That's I wouldn't count that as fantasy, but my God, I love that, that movie. Is, that's got to be fantasy. I mean, you live in, I mean, well, fantasy, future, something like that. I mean, it's probably what we're going towards, but... Um, sure. <laughs> but uh, it's a phenomenal movie. So it's And, and he has gills. He, he can breathe underwater, so I guess it's a little, little bit uh, fantasy. But um, yeah, the polar ice caps melt, and then everybody kind of goes into a barbaric future of having to live on water and find fuel and fight for resources and stuff like that and there's under underwater cities entire our cities underwater that that you know if you can breathe underwater you can go down and find and gather materials from so it's just a really cool perspective and you know potential future i liked when we'd go to the water park and had like the little play or scene of of uh yeah part of it so awesome movie universal studios used to have that they used to like reenact the uh, scene when that first little town is being invaded by uh, the oil people. I don't remember yeah. their names. <laughs> okay, I remember that. But man, that's that is a fantastic movie. Uh, fantasy or not, that's just such a I, a lot of people smash on it. Go watch it again mm-hmm. and think of it as Water Mad Max. It's such a good movie. I mean, if if somebody could give it the attention it requires to make a a new version of it, remake of it, 
that would be awesome. I would love it as long as they don't botch it like the you know M Night Shyamalan movies. I have an idea of who I'd want to remake it. Do you have any ideas of who you'd want to have remake it? Um, no, not really. I mean, Mad Max was pretty good, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to make it the same as the new Mad Max movie. See, and I I went with George Miller who who did the old and new Mad Max movies because I thought I want to see because he made sure to stick to practical effects and stuff like that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see how he would do with with full on Waterworld. Yeah, that'd be interesting to watch. All right, let's move on to our number twos. Anthony, what is your number two? All right, number two for me is going to be Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So good. Uh, what is your favorite part um, about Lord of the Rings, Two Towers? Well, it's hard not to say any Lord of the Rings, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's one movie growing up that I loved watching. Rewatched it over and over. And then also had the video games of it. What, what was it? When what video game did it come out for it? Was it what console? It came out for all of them. They were like tie-in video games, and they were fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just that to me. When I think of fantasy, Lord of the Rings is at the very top. To me, that is fantasy all the way. Yeah, that is a good one. It's my number one, and Jonathan, I believe it's on your list as well. Yeah, it's my number one as well. Okay, so we'll talk more about it at that point, and then we'll bring you back in, Anthony, to talk more about it too. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's so good. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to my number two then. Uh, we got Shrek 2. Uh, this one uh, was the one that came out in 2004. And it introduced Puss in Boots. To me, I think it's the best of all the Shreks. And it had a really cool soundtrack, which also did a, re- a redub or whatever, a remix of We Need a Hero. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I love that song. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really fun and really good to watch. I, I just in general really liked it. All of the Shrek movies, I think, are good movies. This one, I think, was just the best all around. Uh, on that note... Anthony, what's your favorite Shrek movie? Let's figure out what everybody's favorites are. So I'm going to go with the first one. I think it's yeah. hard to beat the first one. It really is. Uh, to me, that established who Shrek was and what it was all about. Um, and it, that's a good choice, too. I mean, you got to love the donkey. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but the first one, to me, set the tone of it. The other ones after, I, I thought were good. But I think it was hard to beat that one. And I don't think the other, the other movies beat the first one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one to beat that first one. It was perfect, and you had John Lithgow as the villain. It was really good. Uh, Jonathan, what are you thinking for your uh, for your favorite Shrek movie? Yeah, I think I like the story of number one better, but I, like like you, I like the soundtrack of the second one a lot better. Yeah, and we got in the second one, we actually got to see Far Far Away, so we had more of the the fantasy references. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I don't know, I just feel like that Funky Town was in there. Yeah, it's the soundtrack is carrying me <laughs> quite a bit actually. Now that I think about it, uh, but yeah. All right, so Jonathan, let's get your number two. So my number two is Harry Potter. I was, I liked pretty much all the Harry Potters, but uh, Prisoner of Azkaban was my favorite, like you you have on your list too. Yeah. Um, and like I was saying earlier, it's mainly the characters. Uh, it, and the time travel was awesome. I like when they they add that to anything. Um, but it's just it's there's only a few things of it that really make it a little bit better than the other Harry Potters because they're all. You know, really cool, really good series together. So I like them all, but that was, I think, particularly my favorite. Yeah, I messed up because I was supposed to save my Harry Potter for you. But uh, ah. so th- what's your favorite part about Harry, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban and why is it better than uh, all the other Harry Potters? That's what I'm saying. It's kind of, it, it's hard to really say it's much better because they're all really good. But um, I do like the, the time travel and the, uh, what were the... <laughs> You guys said earlier the, the name Dementors. of the, the villains. Yeah, the Dementors. Yeah, the Dementors. That they when they introduced those, they were like, "Dang, that's that's creepy." They do a good job with the 
you know, visuals on them and just the the backstory. They suck out your soul and all. Like they really, yeah. They do a good job making them a scary, uncontrollable, untamable villain. And then eventually they give you like, okay, this is where they stop. This is how you can defend yourself from them. So they start to put them in a box a little bit. But to start with, they they really induce fear. So as as a good character, good uh, villain, I guess, and and the all around story. Yeah. That's a good point you bring up because that movie does a good job of like these represent fear. Mm -hmm. Like literally that's, they're very clear analogs for fear. And then about midway through the movie, it starts breaking down. How do you break down fear? You face it and they have the the, the class about it. And so it it brings you to the pinnacle of what fear is. And then, you know, there's a lot of kids reading these books and watching these movies. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this is how you defeat fear. And it goes right back down into just a good story. So that's a good way to handle a villain. And then the end villain is like the villain you don't trust or the villain, you know, that you didn't trust on. So it, you the whole time you're thinking, like, it'll be the Dementors. Like, there's no way that these guys aren't going to be the final bad. And in a lot of ways, it's this dude that was this rat the whole time, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, just, it was a really good movie all around. Yeah. It was a good choice. All right, moving on to our number ones. Let's go ahead and go back to Lord of the Rings, and then we'll see what Anthony's number one is. Nice. So, uh, Jonathan, what is your favorite part of Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers? So Lord- or is that, so- is that your first Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Your favorite yeah. one. So, okay. I like, of just course- just like Harry Potter, I liked all of the Lord of the Rings, uh, but I think Two Towers was my favorite. Part of this is actually um, back when these movies came out. I think you maybe you were in high school, I was in middle school, or something like that. We were both, mm-hmm. we were pretty young. You were reading the books, and so you would tell me the story yeah. as you're reading the books. And then the movies came out, and then yeah, we when we watched the movies, it's like oh crap, I remember that, I remember that, I seen that scene. Oh, I didn't actually see it, but I I heard that story. I know how that goes. And then, uh, so it all kind of went together so much better, even though I don't read books very often. Like, that's a lot of commitment for me to sit down and read a book. Um, but I think one of my favorite scenes, I love, of course, you know, all the battle scenes were awesome. Uh, but I was really into the Ents, the living, walking trees that, you know, take so awesome. days and months to just communicate. Uh, yeah. But the battle scene with them, where they were, uh, the orcs, like, open up the dam or whatever to flood the land to to wash them away or whatever and they can just plant their the, roots down the, to the ground and hold themselves in place yeah the ends did that yeah they, they broke it oh, apart yeah, to be yeah. able to flood the fire the the, the forges underneath the ground that they were making new works with yeah so that was just a, a really cool scene they did a good job i mean i'm sure if you compare it now this yeah the cgi ages but they did a pretty darn good job with all those battle scenes back then too it's just it was so well done uh it's funny that you brought up the book thing because that's how you read Game of Thrones as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm getting pretty good at reading through you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so, so cool. I, I The ends do stand out for me. To me, Rohan looks really cool too. Mm-hmm. It, they actually built that town so people can like, you know, a lot of that, that the little details that you, they're, you know, they're, they're very horse oriented. So the buildings had little horse figureheads on everything. Like so much detail went into that, that town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, the Battle for Helm's Deep, they actually filmed it out there in the worst conditions to, and it really, you know, you could see that impact in the characters' faces. And the battle was so good that, like, scene by scene within that battle were these moments that were just, like, kind of like Endgame, where you're just, like, so identifiable. And one moment to me that really string, it rings, uh, one moment to me that I really remember is uh, the wall falls down. You have Aragon back there with the with the elves, which when the elves come up to show up to help, I'm like fighting back tears every time but anyways uh the elves are back there and then he holds that sword up he kind of cocks it back and just charges in such an epic moment and that moment's actually in the video game as well that anthony was mentioning uh it's such a perfect movie 
speaking of the video game, Anthony, do you, what was your favorite part? And uh, did, did you feel the video game kind of was similar to the movie? What are your thoughts there? Oh, man. So one part that really sticks out in my head was when you're on top of the tower and you're fighting them off the tower. Oh, and yeah. you're kind of going through, but you're knocking off the ladders. You're throwing them off the edge. I mean, that was one part of it. And uh, we gotta we gotta announce the card game too. I mean, didn't we play that quite we a bit? We did. Yeah, we 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 spent money on that. Is the best way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was good. Uh, we one of those things where we were all camping or whatever, and we're like, hey, let's let's get these cards. <laughs> we played the uh, basically it's like Magic the Gathering, but with Lord of the Rings, and uh, the Urukai looked really good on those cards. <laughs> it was good. Um, yeah, Two Towers is a perfect movie, though. It was really well done. I actually feel like it should have won the Oscars, but they waited to the next year, which I think is one of the flaws in the Oscar system. They gave it to uh, Return of the King, which, again, fantastic film. But they held off on giving it to the Two Towers because they knew the next one was coming. And that's unfortunate because Two Towers deserved every bit of recognition that the other one did uh, get. So, yeah, perfect movie. I thought it was really, really good. Anthony, what is your number one? All right, so... Surprised nobody said any Star Wars. Nobody going with Star Wars? Because it's science me. fiction to me. Yeah, I try to leave <laughs> oh, out all the more science-based fiction. Yeah. Well, I think fucking Yoda is pretty damn <laughs> fantasy to me. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll go with Yoda. Yeah. yeah. All right. He's and the wise one, me, like the wise wizard. I like that. Yeah, I mean, Yoda's the best, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go on with Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Episode 3 has got to be my favorite. Okay. To me, that's, you know... The turning point to watch Anakin move to the dark side. I think that was kind of set it to me. And that's just the, that one I, I watch over and over. What part is your favorite part from that movie? I might be getting it mixed up. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I think, well, not really a favorite part, but I think just watching Anakin turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that is such to a cool me, moment when he's like walking into the Jedi Temple and he's got yeah. the hood on. Yeah. Don's hood. He's got it's just that dark look to his face now all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, and you just know like it's going south, and that there's nothing that can be done. And to me, that's the part. It's like, oh, what's gonna happen? Starts murdering children. Yeah, <laughs> that's not my one name. of them was George Lucas's son too. That's messed up. That's pretty cool. You let your son yeah. die for a movie? Come on, man. God. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that was that's probably my favorite part as well. But the battle for Mustafar, of course, needs to be mentioned. That was so cool. Um, the visuals from that are, have always kind of been used again and again after that. So we see it. Moments in Clone Wars and moments in some of the video games that harken back to the battle on Mustafar. Even the new movie when they're going to the water planet. I can't remember the name of it, but that battle was like, okay, this is Mustafar 2.0, but instead of lava, it's water. Uh, it, it was so epic. It was really good. Uh, any other shining moments out of either of you that, uh, out of uh, Star Wars over here? Mm, not specifically. <laughs> That's a whole nother, yeah, whole nother episode if we dig into a bunch of Star Wars stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, I'm going to name my five real quick, and then we'll go over your guys' five, just kind of a repeating them. Nice. So we had my number fifth. My fifth one was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, then Prison, then Princess Bride, then Neverending Story, Shrek 2, and Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Jonathan, what you name yours from five to one? Uh, number five was Edward Scissorhands. Number four, I had Dragonheart. Number three, I had Waterworld. Uh, number two, I had Prisoner of Azkaban. And number mm-hmm. one was uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Nice. And then Anthony? All right, I had a um, hook, the Robin Williams version. Yeah, I had Avengers: Endgame is number four, Avatar is number three, 
Lord of the Rings Two Towers is number two, and then Star Wars Episode Three as number one. Those are good lists right there. Whether you know they're just fantastic movies. Those are good. Uh, if you were to pick one of these movies to watch tonight, which one is it? I think I'd be going for Dragonheart, honestly. That is a good one. So uh, I think you guys have been telling me this for years. Oh man. I still, you already know what I'm saying. Yep. I still have never watched Wild oh, World. come on. I literally had to buy it and ship it to, Anthony, or to Squeaks' house to get him to watch it. <laughs> yeah. It's been, what, 10 years you've been telling me to watch this movie? At least, at least. Yeah, you should watch that one. I think, I'm getting a niche to, man, really any of these, but I think I might go watch Two Towers again. I need to watch the whole series again because it's been a bit since I've seen and I used to watch them each year, but it's been a couple now for me. So I'll probably go do that. Uh, some other honorable mentions is How to Train Your Dragon and Willow. Both those are really good fantasy movies for me. Um, but I think that's going to be it for us, guys. So we'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys very much for joining us. Uh, and just to reiterate, uh, hit us up with those reviews. Just hit up, you know, five stars if you guys really love us or whatever. Put a nice little message in there. Uh, we'll gather them up and then we'll do an episode where we read the reviews again. Uh, it's been a bit, since, I think, like a month since our last review. So if you guys want to hit us up with those reviews, we really appreciate it. We might do a review contest. We've done those in the past, and they're a lot of fun to do, where you give away a free shirt. So if you guys review now and we decide to do the contest, we'll we'll always include all reviews. So uh, that's how that works. We'll see you guys later, and have a good week. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week.